Thank you, ladies and praise team. If you would uh, grab your Bibles with me and stand for our scripture reading, we'll be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 14, as Pastor Bruce continues in his series. So if you'll stand and turn to Acts 14, we'll be reading verses 21 through 28. As Paul's been on his missionary journey today, we're going to read about Paul's report back to the churches. So we're going to read Acts chapter 14, verses 21 through 28. If you need a pew Bible, there's one in front of you, and you can find it on page 637. So listen along as I read Acts 14, verses 21 through 28. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Presidia, they came to Pamphylia. Now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now when they had come and gathered at the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for Paul and using him and, uh, and on, on his, the first missionary journeys to proclaim your gospel. May we be encouraged, may we be strengthened to do the same, may we have open hearts and minds to learn from you this morning and throughout the entire week of World Outreach to bring you the praise and honor and glory you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Like many of you, I've had the opportunity throughout my life to travel overseas on several missions trips, or as we like to say here at Glenwood, mission awareness campaigns. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to travel everywhere from uh, Colombia, South America, to Amsterdam, to the Philippines, to China, to, to Africa, to the island of Barbuda just two summers ago. And, and I know many of you have, have traveled uh, to some of the same places. And so you know, you know from firsthand experience that every missions awareness campaign is an exciting uh, journey that is filled with stories of successes and setbacks. And while each campaign is, is to different places with different people, uh, the gospel message that we proclaim is always the same. You may be wondering, well, why is that? As we've been learning in this series so far, that's because the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Now, as you can tell, I am no apostle. I'm no apostle Paul, nor even am I a Barnabas. But there's a lot of things uh, that they experienced on their first missionary journey I, I will never experience in my life. Uh, but there is one thing that I can relate to in the last few verses here in Acts chapter 14. For the first two chapters, for two chapters in Acts here and for two years in their life, these two missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, have been going the distance. They've been proclaiming the gospel to everyone everywhere. And at the close here of Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas are finally, they're returning home or at least to their home church in the city of Antioch. Now, just play, put yourself in their shoes for a moment. Can you imagine the mixed emotions that have swelled up within them as they are traveling back home after being gone for almost two years? Uh, the longest time I've ever been away on a missions awareness campaign is about 10 days, 12 days, and that's when Chris and I had the opportunity to go to we started out in Manila, Philippines, and then we went to Hong Kong, and then we went to Beijing, China. And by the time we got to China, I was ready to come home. It seemed like it was a long, long time. So, I, if, you know, to be gone almost two years, you can imagine just the emotions and the mixed emotions of returning home now. And that's something anyone who's been uh, on a missions trip can relate to the emotions of returning home. And Luke tells us, he gives us some insight about their return trip home right here in these verses in which, Acts, in which Zach read for us in verses 26 through 28. And it's interesting. They basically returned along the same route that they went out. 
And now they're coming back, except this time they bypass the island of Cyprus and go directly to Antioch there in Syria. But Luke also tells us not just about the return trip home, but he also gives us insight into what they did once they returned home here in verse 26 and 27. And I want to read these verses again for us. Notice along in your Bibles or in your notes, if you want, you're welcome to take notes and follow along or insert in your bulletin, you can pull that out. And look again what Luke tells us in verses 26 and 27. It says, And when they, speaking about Paul and Barnabas, when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them. And that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, so they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that in preparation for this Sunday, and, and read that obviously several weeks before in preparation for this week, I, I just, I love how this text here in Acts 14, it just ties right into the life of our church here in Kansas City at Glenwood. This week, obviously, is our World Outreach Celebration. And what we see right here in these two verses is, can we say it this way, the very first World Outreach Celebration in the history of the church. Pretty amazing, pretty cool. And so notice this in your notes. After completing the work on their first missionary journey, here's what happens. Paul and Barnabas gathered the church together and they gave a mission report. It was a celebration time. It was a time to celebrate all that God had done on this first missionary journey. But let us also remember Paul's appearance as he stood before the church that sent him and Barnabas out. I'm sure he stood with a tattered cloak in a somewhat battered body. But Paul also stood with a passion in his heart to get the gospel to everyone, everywhere. And now, he is standing before the church of Antioch, and he's calling this church then as he is now to us to rise up and do the same. It's about getting the gospel here, there, and everywhere. And in this report, and as they return home, I just want to make three observations for us. And I want to talk through these a little bit and highlight some things out of, out of what this report here is. And so notice the first observation. Paul and Barnabas returned to the church at Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God. Paul and Barnabas had been sent by the church of Antioch, and now they were returning to the church of Antioch. We saw this back in Acts chapter 13 when we began this series, specifically in verses 1 through 3 of Acts 13. The Antioch church then recognized the Spirit's call in their lives, laid hands on them, prayed for them, commended them to the grace of God, and sent them out with their support. And now Paul and Barnabas are headed back to that church and those people after completing the work. And so Paul and Barnabas, it's almost as if they have this obligation to return. And you almost feel that the church here, the Antioch church, kind of has this expectation that they will return. And they can't wait to hear this report. And folks, that is still true today. Missionaries return to their sending and supporting churches while on furlough. And this is beneficial. It's beneficial both for the missionary and for the churches. And so it's appropriate and it's expected for missionaries to return. One benefit when missionaries return is, is just the fact that, man, the church and the missionaries get to see one another face to face. It becomes very personal then. And that is a big benefit that our church gets to experience even this week with three missionaries that we support as a church are returning here to our church to give a report. And we get to see them again face-to-face. -face. They get to see us face-to-face. -face. And some of these missionaries, three of them, will even recognize, and remember, some of you, if you have been a part of our church and, and been present in attendance of our World Outreach celebrations in the past. It is a wonderful benefit when missionaries return to their sending and supporting churches. It's beneficial both for the missionary and for the church. But there's a second observation I want to make, and that is Paul and Barnabas reported to the church at Antioch. 
And they reported all that God had done with them in getting the gospel to everyone everywhere. Now, just imagine the thrill as the people listened to Paul and Barnabas share stories of successes and setbacks while on their missionary journey. And did you notice that the church gathered together? You get the impression that the whole church was there. Not just those interested in missions, but everyone was there. But the whole church wanted to hear the report because the whole church had invested in supporting them and sending them out back in Acts chapter 13. You see, their passion, that is the church at Antioch, the peoples there, their passion for missions is evident in their gathering together now to hear the report of Paul and Barnabas. What a great example for our church even now this week. That all of us will attend the World Outreach Celebration because all of us, we have this desire. We have a heart's desire that we really do. We want to hear the report of our missionaries. We want to hear all that God has done in them and through them. And that's exactly what Paul and Barnabas reported. They reported all that God had done with them. Now, it would have been easy for them to highlight what they had done. I can just hear some of the promotions now coming here, near-death experiences of Paul and Barnabas, or, or don't miss hearing Paul's survival from stoning. And let me tell you, it would have entertained as much then as it would now. And certainly there were stories of both successes and setbacks of what Paul and Barnabas had done on their missionary journey. And yet that's not what they emphasized in their report. Instead, they said, listen to all that God has done with us and through us. Listen to how he's used us in getting the gospel to the Gentiles. He's opened a door for us to take the gospel to them. And some have believed and some haven't believed. And we praise God for this. That is the essence of their report. And this is not simply the adventures of men. And that's one reason why they emphasize it's God doing it. Because it's not just an adventure story of men. It's the work of God. And it's the Lord's work because people can't do this work in and of themselves. Paul and Barnabas were merely obeying God's command to go and make the gospel known to everyone everywhere. Their endeavors would have been in vain had the Lord not been empowering their efforts. Paul and Barnabas saw the hand of God in everything that happened. How God brought many people to saving faith in Jesus. How God supplied their needs. How God directed them where to go. How God protected them in spite of the many dangers. As one commentator writes, true, God had done the work with them in cooperation or partnership with them, but he had done it. They gave him the credit. The grace had come from God, and now the glory must go to God. You say, why? Why? Why come? Why attend? Why give up my Wednesday night, my Thursday night, my, my Friday night, my Saturday morning or Sunday Saturday lunchtime, and even Sunday morning of next week and Sunday night. Why? Why should I give a priority to come to the World Outreach Celebration? To hear all that God has done through our missionaries. To hear what God has done and is doing and will do through their lives of where he has called them in getting the gospel to everyone everywhere. That's why. We come because we have a heart for missions. We have the heart of God. We come because we want to hear what God has done. We want in on it because we have vested in on it. We, in a sense, we have poured our lives into it with giving and with prayer and of our own selves. Just like the church at Antioch did. They sent them out, they supported them, and now because they have a vested interest in them, they are there to hear and support and welcome them back. It's a beautiful thing. 
Why come? And here's what will happen. I promise when you come and when you begin to hear the missionary guests speak, you will be informed about the need to get the gospel to everyone everywhere. You will meet our missionaries face to face and you will learn about the people God has called them to to take the gospel to. You will be informed. But not only that, you will be impacted by the need itself to get the gospel to everyone everywhere. You'll leave with a greater desire to be part of God's global work of missions around the world. You will be motivated to get involved in the roles of sending and going, praying and giving, welcoming and mobilizing. That's why we come, to be informed and to be impacted so that we will get involved in the coming year. That's why we come. We come to hear what God has done through our missionary guest. It's a beautiful thing. But there's a third observation that's easy to overlook if we're not careful. And that is Paul and Barnabas reconnected with the church at Antioch, staying there a long time. Isn't it a wonderful thing to reconnect with people you haven't seen in a while? People you, you love, either friends or family. And that is no different than with our missionary guests, especially those that we support. It's a wonderful thing to reconnect with them. And that's one of the blessings of having a world outreach celebration. It gives us, it gives all of us as a church family here, the opportunity to reconnect personally and relationally with missionaries that we haven't seen in a while. Yes, missionaries need finances. And that's why we have our faith promise commitment. And we're asking you to pray and plan and prepare to make that commitment going forward for 2017. Because it takes finances to get them where God has called them to. But when the missionaries that we support with, with money or finance is not just about money. It is so much more than that. We view it and we see it as a partnership with them in getting the gospel everyone to everywhere. Obviously, our missionary guests can't stay with us a long time, like Paul and Barnabas did with the Antioch church. Our missionary guests have other churches they need to reconnect with besides our church. But while they are here this week, let me encourage you to, to reconnect with our missionaries. And this is the purpose, or at least one of the purposes, of our dessert fellowships on Wednesday night and Friday nights. It's the reason why we take some time down in our multi-purpose room and have, you know, coffee and tea and lemonade and some cookies and whatnot, so that you can, you can go up to missionary, our guests, and you can introduce yourself, you can meet them face to face. And if you're too bashful to do that, you can at least get in on a little group there and just stand there and listen to them. And somebody else talk, and you can hear them. It's one of the purposes that we have. And so I encourage you to take advantage of that. And I'm sure as Paul and Barnabas reconnected with the, the church at Antioch, let me tell you, they were also refreshed and they were recharged by the Antioch church. Recharging spiritual batteries is essential. You can't give out more than you take in or you will burn out. And so Paul and Barnabas, they were gone for almost two years, and so they stayed a long time with the Antioch church, recharging their own souls. And this is one of our goals during our World Outreach Celebration. We really do. We pray that our missionary guests will leave our celebration, our church here will leave refreshed and recharged physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And let me tell you, nothing refreshes the body more than rest and food. Which is one reason why we purposely, we host our missionaries in a really nice hotel that have really nice rooms and nice beds. And we, our church pays for it. We pay for it out of your giving to our Faith Promise Missions because we believe in this. We believe it's beneficial in the recharging of them physically. Good night's rest. In food, which is why we take our missionaries out to eat. And to, nothing's better than good Kansas City barbecue, amen? And so we feed them Kansas City barbecue at least twice, if not all the whole time they're here, it seems like. <laughs> but I'm not complaining because I get in on it. And then, of course, nothing recharges the soul, though. The soul more than prayer. It's amazing what God does 
when we gather around our missionary guests during our Celebrate Unplugged, and there's 10 to 12 to 15 of us gathered around each of these guests down in a multi-purpose room, and we gather around them. They're sitting in a chair or something like this, and we physically put our hands on them, touch them on the shoulder, and just bingo, people praying one, two, three-sentence prayers. And then you just go around. And that's happening all simultaneously throughout the whole room with all six missionaries. And you hear this prayer hush, if you will. And I kid you not, it never fails. The, the emotional, the tears from our missionaries, even tears from our own people. Why? Because we've reconnected with them. And in that prayer time, it recharges your soul spiritually. And we want them to leave our conference recharged and refreshed, having been reconnected with us. And we want to send them out onto the next leg of their journey. And for many of them, that next leg, is, it is a journey. It's traveling on to another church to do the same thing, to report. For some, it's getting them ready to send them overseas or wherever God has called them. And we view our church as having a small part in helping them, encouraging them in that process. And so what we see here in Acts 14 are three things that have practical relevance for our church today. We do, we, church, we desire to partner with missionaries who will return, report, and reconnect. But that still leaves us with a question. What exactly did Paul and Barnabas share in their report? We know that their report emphasized all that God had done through them, but what was the focus of that report, of what God had done through them? Well, we don't know exactly, since Luke doesn't tell us precisely. But Luke does tell us in verse 26 that Paul and Barnabas were commended to the grace of God for the work which they completed. And the question is, what work was that that they completed? Well, Luke summarizes that work for us in verses 21 through 22, 23. And it's the work of, if I can say it this way, it's the work of E-D-M. It's the work of E-D-M. Say that together with me. E-D-M. E-D-M. And what that is and stands for, it's really the work of evangelism, discipleship, and missions. And that is the work that they reported to the church of Antioch. And Luke summarizes this for us here. We have a picture of it, and it's a beautiful thing. And so notice this. Let me give you a snapshot of it. Number one, the mission report specifically of evangelism, and that is disciples were made with the gospel. Notice what Paul and Barnabas did in the city of Derby in verse 21. It says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples. That is, they proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ about his life, his death, and his resurrection. That's the essence of the gospel. Why? Because only the gospel, as we have seen, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And the moment we believe in Jesus Christ is the moment we become disciples of Jesus Christ. Which means that the goal of evangelism is not simply converts to Christ, but followers of Christ, disciples of Christ. And Paul and Barnabas proclaimed the gospel and made disciples in the city of Derby. we're told in verse 21. This is what we have seen them do, though, in every city, beginning with Seleucia and Paphos on the island of Cyprus, to Antioch, Pisidia, Iconium, and Lystra, and Galatia. And so what they did in Derby here is simply a picture of what they did in every city. They proclaimed the gospel and they made disciples. And in doing so, they were basically fulfilling the great commission that Jesus has given to every one of us in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 where he said, go therefore and make disciples. And that's what Paul and Barnabas were doing. Of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, of course, evangelism is just the first step in the work of, quote, making disciples. 
Baptizing them and teaching them is the second step of making disciples. A step we often call discipleship, which brings us to the second aspect of their report. Disciples were not only made with the gospel, but what we see next in this process of making disciples is that they were strengthened in the faith. Having first made disciples, Paul and Barnabas went back to strengthen these new disciples in the faith. They needed to be grounded in the truth of the gospel. They needed to be strengthened in the faith of the gospel. And so Luke tells us in verse 21 and 22, they return to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Now, let me just stop right here. Because I don't want us to miss this. I don't want you to miss what Paul and Barnabas exhorted, urged these disciples, these new believing disciples to do. He urged them, he exhorted them to continue in the faith. Paul and Barnabas exhorted the disciples, in other words, to persevere in the faith through many trials and tribulations. That was the essence of it, of their strengthening. That strengthening obviously involved the teaching of the Word of God, undergirding them. But in that teaching of with the Word of God, he is urging them, he is exhorting them, persevere in your new faith through many trials and tribulations. Now, how would you like to be discipled by the Apostle Paul? Can you imagine that? Lesson number one, persevere in the faith. That's the first lesson with Paul in your new discipleship with him. Persevere in the faith. And you're like, Paul, why? And Paul says, well, lesson number two, you must, through many trials and tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Lesson one, persevere in the faith. Lesson two, you will, you must persevere because you're going to have some trials and tribulations in your life. So persevere. Paul didn't tell these new disciples, remember, no matter what happens, you're safe in the arms of Jesus. Oh, no. Paul told them, remember, no matter what happens, you must persevere in the faith through many tribulations. Now, Paul, don't misunderstand, he's not saying that by tribulations we earn entry into the kingdom of God. That's not what he's saying. Rather, he is saying that the road to God's kingdom, that road which we must travel, let me tell you, it is marked by many tribulations and we must persevere through those tribulations paul doesn't paint a picture that following jesus is going to be easy it is not a life of marshmallows and gummy bears nor is following jesus your best life now it's more like your worst life now but just wait it gets better and paul would know if anyone would know, Paul would. What did he just experience? He's already experienced the tribulation of a stoning that almost killed him. In fact, Jesus himself tells us in Matthew 6, 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. See, as Christ followers, our hope is not in this world, but in the things to come. And so persevere. In the faith. Yes, we hold on to the power of God in this life, but we look forward to being in the presence of God for all eternity. And until his kingdom fully comes, we must persevere in the faith. This is the truth we need to be strengthened in. That the Christian faith is not easy, but it's life-changing, and it's eternal, and it offers a hope that no tribulation can take away. And so Paul, in strengthening these new disciples, what he tells them first and foremost is, persevere. That is a lesson all of us need here this morning. No matter where you are in your Christian life, your Christian journey, Paul's lesson to you and to me would be persevere in the faith. Persevere. And to do so through many trials and tribulations. 
That is the road of a Christ follower. But folks, we do not focus just on that which we see with our earthly eyes. We focus on what is yet to come. And we put our hope and our focus in the next life, in the kingdom when it fully comes. And when we are in the presence of God Almighty for eternity. Paul and Barnabas did the work of evangelism. They did the work of discipleship, but they didn't stop there. They continued with the work of missions. That is, disciples were organized into local churches. The ultimate goal of missions is to see disciples gathered together in local churches, worshiping our Lord and Savior. That's the goal of missions. The whole reason the need for missions exists, as John Piper has so eloquently said, is because the worship of God doesn't exist in the hearts of mankind. Psalm 67 tells us that God wants his way to be known on earth and his salvation among all the nations. Why? So that verse 3 in Psalm 67 will be a reality for everyone everywhere where it says, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. This is why our church is committed to getting the gospel to everyone everywhere. It's what the ladies just sang about. It's exactly what they sing about. Listen, our goal, our passion, God's passion, is to see more disciples gathered together in local churches doing one thing, worshiping our Lord. This is why we give. This is what we pray for. Oh God, let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. This is why Paul and Barnabas were sent out to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles, to make disciples and then organize them into local churches to worship our Lord and Savior. And so how did they do this? Well, Luke tells us what they did in verse 23. It says, so when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now that phrase, every church, is significant. It tells us that these new disciples, they were plugged into something. They weren't just dangling out there in isolation on their own. And specifically here, Luke is telling us that these new disciples were plugged into local churches that Paul and Barnabas organized in the cities all throughout Galatia, like Antioch, Pisidia. Derby, Iconium, Lystra. And what we see here is that followers of Christ are committed to the body of Christ, represented by these local churches. That's the biblical norm. That's, that's the biblical pattern, is that disciples are always plugged in, always connected to local churches. What's not normal is what we are seeing in our day and age. What we are seeing throughout our country. Christians who want to live as, quote, orphans without any commitment to a local church family. And so to profess to be a Christ follower and yet not be committed to his family, a local church, it means there's, there's something wrong. You are an orphan. We are to be connected in the body of Christ. And that's the first thing that Paul did with these new believers. He organized them into local churches, plugged them in. And in doing so, there were two specific things to help them accomplish that. Paul and Barnabas, first of all, equipped the disciples with pastors. The word he uses, the word elder here, and that word is just used interchangeably with what we call pastors. It means the same thing. And so these elders were basically the pastor teachers of the church. Paul and Barnabas knew, they understood, that these new churches needed men who would lead them by continuing to teach and preach the word of God. And so these men were chosen, they were prayed for, and they were appointed as pastors to lead and shepherd these newly planted churches. But there was a second thing they did. They not only equipped, but they entrusted. Paul and Barnabas entrusted the disciples to the Lord. Now, as a pastor, believe me, I can just imagine the fear of these newly appointed pastors in these various cities. I remember when I was appointed pastor here. 
oh my gosh, I was 34 years old. I think I was too dumb to know anything. So, I, you know, sometimes there were days I didn't have a lot of fear. Other fears, I'd sit in my office and like, what am I doing? And so my heart goes out. I can just imagine some of the fear of these, these new pastors in these cities here. But I can also imagine the fear of Paul and Barnabas leaving these new churches behind. They must have had a little fear about what would happen to these new disciples. After all, they were leaving them behind in cities where they themselves had been persecuted and even nearly killed. So what did Paul and Barnabas do? Well, I love what it says at the end of verse 23. It says, Paul and Barnabas commended them, that is, these new disciples, commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. At the end of the day, Paul and Barnabas simply had to trust that God would look after these disciples. How comforting to know that these churches had pastors to shepherd them, the Holy Spirit to guide them, and God to protect them. Evangelism, discipleship, and missions. This is the work of Paul and Barnabas completed on their first missionary journey. And this was the work they reported to the Antioch church. It was a work that God had done in them and through them. What a report for Paul and Barnabas to share. And what a report for the Antioch church to hear. Talk about a celebration of all that God had done. Can you imagine the excitement of that first world outreach celebration at the Antioch church? Can you imagine being part of that? Can you imagine gathering together? Paul and Barnabas are coming. Paul and Barnabas are selling back. They're coming. They're coming. We're going to meet. We're going to meet. And the excitement, the word traveling, good news travels fast, and the church begins to gather together. Can you imagine? What are we going to hear? What are we going to hear? I wonder what happened. What did God do? In the anticipation of hearing them share that report, both from Barnabas and Saul's point and the church's point, can you imagine? But folks, we can do more than just imagine. We, we now today, we actually get this. We get to be part of a world outreach celebration at our church. We, we get to come in anticipation to hear all that God has done through the missionary guest that will be part of our World Outreach Celebration. Pastor Chris is going to come and kind of expand on that a little bit. World Outreach Celebration is an annual opportunity to celebrate, to celebrate what God has done in this past year and even years past, what he is doing right now, the things that God wants us to pay attention to and do right now, and what he is yet to do, not only through our church, but through the people groups of this world. And so what we're doing, we, we have been so blessed as a church. The first thing that we want to just stop and think as we enter into this week, week is how good God has been to Glenwood Baptist Church. Amen? Amen. Amen. We need to just be grateful hearts. Uh, I, I have been amazed at what God has done through our church with missions. And, and, and at times like this, at the beginning of a week like this, I always think and, and realize that we as a church, and I know I individually, stand on the shoulders of the rich missions legacy of Pastor Tyrone. I learned so much just working with him and watching him and catching the right tone and the right approach to missions. And really, we have been doing our world outreach celebration since 1998. That's kind of freaky for you folk over there. But uh, uh, in fact, my daughter wasn't born the first year we had a world outreach celebration. This is our, our 16th year. Um, it's a rare thing in this day and age to have five days dedicated in a local church to missions. But I think it works for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is what we've heard this morning, that God's sovereign grace and God's blessing, his sovereign ability to make such things work. So we give God the glory, but also it's a celebration and not a conference. It's a celebration. What do I mean by that? It's a part of our lives 
365 days a year, not just for this five days that we are here. For too many churches, missions is you come over here and you go up on the shelf there and you take down the box of missions for a week and you open that box up and you go, oh, that's really cool. It's kind of like Christmas. This week's going to be really exciting. And then when that week is done, you walk back over here and it just sits up here like it's sitting there and we go about our lives. And then once a year, we take missions off the shelf and, 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 and have a conference. And it's hard to get motivated. It's hard to get excited about that. It's hard to set aside your regular schedule when it's just this once a year thing. But in reality, what we're doing is celebrating all that God is doing, anticipating where we still need to grow. And as you know, if you're a part of our church, we celebrate and we are on mission as well as involved in mission throughout the year. Secondly, it's focused outward on our missionaries and the unreached and the unengaged. Everything that we do is pretty much focused on the missionaries. In fact, we spent a lot of money on our world outreach celebration, but the vast majority, apart from promotional things like these posters, but even these posters are a critical step. You've seen these people. You can know these people. Hopefully, you've prayed for these people. And many a time, our missionaries will comment, wow, you know, they're, 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 they like they know me. Listen, if you only knew how draining and how discouraging deputation and visiting churches can be. And we have been so blessed. And so we think, like, this is normal. This is like all churches are. And I'm not trying to set us apart and say, oh, we're the ultimate. You know, you only come here. You only get this. No. Many great mission churches. But I'm telling you, we get feedback from our missionaries. So even the cost of these things put value on them. But really, the vast majority of thousands of dollars that we spend in this coming week is all going to them. Generous love offerings, wonderful hotel accommodations, uh, feeding them, gifting them, love baskets, welcome baskets in their rooms. All of that is an outward focus on them. And then finally, it's preached about, it's prayed for, and it's planned for. And so if you look in your bulletin and, and, and grab the, 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 the sheet that says schedule, everyone to everywhere, that's what this week's coming up about. And so I just want to draw your attention to that, lay hold of that. You can use your phone and you can scan that and get that uploaded. You can go to our, it'll immediately take you to our church Facebook page and it has all the schedule. So you can always know if you're always like me, you're like, where's that sheet? What are we doing next? Where are we supposed to be? Well, all that's available for you. It's all there. And really, as missions is a part of our life, it's a part of our life from the youngest to the oldest. And Audra does a great job leading our team for the kids' celebration. So every night, what we have going on for adults, we have something exactly going on, meeting the same missionaries, interacting with them. Because really, this is about, as we've already heard this morning, building relationships, reconnecting, and re-energizing. Now, one of our new missionaries that's coming said, wow, this is going to be a busy conference. I said, well, you know, actually, we get feedback we get feedback from missionaries saying wow this is one of the most relaxing conferences they get to be in we are busy we do keep them busy but not in busy work I said listen you're gonna find that when you're here it's gonna be all eyeball to eyeball it's all opportunities to relate to our staff to relate to our leaders and to relate to our people and then he, he kind of like I think he I think he was kind of dreading to be honest with you. And then he's like, oh, 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 yeah. You know, now he's excited, you know. And, and, and that's the way relationships are. You're excited about what you care about. I told my class this morning, you pray about what you care about. And you care about what you know, okay, and who you relate to. And that's why we invited our guests, the Corinne people, uh, people group, the Corinne brothers and sisters in Christ from Emmanuel Baptist Church, just 10 minutes away, 15 minutes away. Why? So we can get to know other believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, listen, we need all hands on deck. And so probably the greatest area we need to make all this happen is our nursery needs, needs people. We, we need to serve. So we can't all just come and be spectators. We also need to be participators that serve. 
And so I hope that helps you. Now, as we look at this, let's look at the missionary guests. Here they are, and let's just go around as we see them. Let's start over here with the Schmitz. And uh, there you see Lynn. I mean, you talk about encouragement in the faith to see a young lady that he, her and I were in this youth group, and uh, we just knew each other when we were both squirrely teenagers. And if she said she wasn't one, she's lying. And uh, you know I was. And so, you know, there she is, still serving the Lord Jesus Christ, faithfully loving on her husband and ministering there. Roger's going to begin and end our conference. He's going to have the first, uh, uh, the first uh, vision casting on Wednesday, but also preach for us on Sunday. And then Paul and Barbara Frizzell, I mean, you talk about uh, persevering in the faith. 25 years as missionaries this September. So we're going to honor that. We're going to get excited about that. And then the Hefts are Wycliffe translators, and they're working in Tanzania. And so it's going to be very exciting. They're going to give us a report on the hills and the Maconde translation there for uh, the translation and the people group that we've adopted, that we're praying for. And then Don and Kathy Mingo. Listen, people don't, it's one thing to send a couple to the mission field. It's another thing to support them. But even more than that, it's a bigger thing to help them stay on the mission field. And that's why Paul strengthened the disciples, because you have to. And so their whole ministry, Revitalize, is as a former missionary, as a former pastor, he's going on the field to strengthen and encourage uh, missionaries that get depressed and burned out just like you and you and I do at times in ministry and then the Ballingers they're they're coming back and you know last year we uh, raised uh, $2,000 just off of the the world changer seminar on Thursday for 100 Bible sticks and we're going to be able to give those and put them in their hands and dedicate those 100 Bible sticks praying that they go into the hands of shepherds in Mongolia who have never ever heard the Bible or own their own copy. Now, how cool is that? Oh, I'm sorry. How cool is that? Oh, okay, okay. My goodness, yeah, let's get excited. And they're bringing their kids, Abby, CJ, and they just had a baby, Katie. And then the Hefts will have Josiah and Anna, who are 12 and 10. And then Justin Long is our World Changer uh, seminar our speaker. And you can look in the bulletin. There's all the information on that. You, on, that's the one night you can come straight from work and we'll feed you and take care of you. And I just can't explain. Uh, you're just going to have to come. Last year, we had an outstanding world changer seminar with Scott Nutter from Faith Comes by Hearing, and that resulted in raising the money for those Bible sticks. In fact, we've been doing these world changer seminars ever since 1998, but in the format we're doing them now for the last 12 years. And nine years ago, we had uh, Chuck Lynch, a biblical counselor in the Kansas City area, come, and he did the seminar because the part, the, this seminar is to encourage and equip you, but it's also to encourage our missionaries and to connect them with resources they wouldn't have and wouldn't know about if this didn't happen. And so Keith Gandy, nine years ago, connected with Chuck Lynch, and for the last nine years, Chuck's been ministering, counseling, and helping that church work through issues like depression, anger. You know, people in other countries have the same issues we do. You know what they don't have? They don't have the same resources that we do. And so Chuck's been going over there, and this year, he just got back from his ninth year going there as a result of meeting here at our church and has just finished, Keith's people have just finished translating Chuck's material on counseling into German. Isn't that awesome? And that's all because of what happened on a Thursday night. So if you're not here, you're missing that. And I don't know what's going to happen with Justin. I didn't know what was going to happen last week because God opens the hearts of people and God opens the doors of people. But you got to be here to experience it. So that's, that's going to be cool. Well, it all comes down to finances uh, in a sense. It comes down to the idea that all of this takes money. And so you look in your bulletin, you see the faith promise card, and we're going to hand these in next Sunday. And you've been seeing these, and you've been asked to pray about it, and you've been asked to prepare and to discuss. And so take this card, and during this busy week, we've already prayed up, hopefully you've already prepared, 
and just make the final commitment so that next Sunday we're ready to hand these things in and to show that our treasure is where our heart is. Amen? And so here's what we need to do. we got one last opportunity to make things right today, to prepare our heart right now. And so with your heads bowed and as our, our music team comes here to the front, I want to first of all say we would be amiss to not invite you to accept Jesus Christ, to bring all these people in from all around the world, and then to us miss the gospel by 18 inches, the gap between your head and your heart. And so if you are not sure, if you die this morning, if you were not sure that you would go immediately into God's presence, and you somehow think that there's something more you have to do, or somehow you haven't done enough, we have good news for you this morning. Jesus Christ has done it all. He lived a life that we could never live, sinless. He died a death that satisfied God's wrath. We could never do that. He rose again from the dead. He reigns from on high, and he will return one day to judge the living and the dead. And only those that will enter into his presence are those who have already accepted him. And so if you have not accepted Jesus Christ today, you can do so right now. And you just say, look, I'm a sinner and all I have is sin to bring you. And some good works that aren't good enough. And so I give all that to you, recognizing it's not enough. And I just accept everything that you have and all that you are as the fully God, fully man who has done all. If you have questions about that after this service, see me, see Pastor Bruce, see any of our leaders. But don't leave here. Don't go into this week being a mission field. Go into this week knowing the Lord of the harvest. Amen. And then for all of us, let's just, as they sing, we're just going to pray and just say, Lord, you're Lord, and you know what you want to do in our lives. And we dedicate ourselves, our baggage, our fears, our insecurities, our anxieties, our sins, our temptations, our failure. We, it's, it's all yours. Nothing surprises you. Nothing has caught you off guard. And Lord, we just want to be used of you. And if we need to get some things right, we want to get them right tonight, today, this morning. And if there's some things we need to reconcile, then we want to reconcile them. Because we want to go in this week sensitive, with our hearts surrendered, our ears open, our eyes alert. And we want to see what only you can do. Because, Lord, we need to sin more. We need more going. We need praying in a deeper way. We need to be giving out of a sacrificial, cheerful heart. We need to be welcoming those who are not like us and are different from us. And Lord, we need to be mobilized for the greatest thing in all the world. And so let's do business with God as the praise team.